You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and I'm at the National Lipid Association's annual scientific sessions, which this year are in Las Vegas, Nevada. With me today is uh, one of the top winners of the National Lipid Association Abstracts Program, Dr. Dan Myers. Dr. Myers completed his clinical research fellowship in endocrinology, where he focused on lipids and lipoproteins and atherosclerosis at the University of Washington. He's currently a translational medicine expert with Novartis Institutes of Biomedical Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts. While at the NIBR, he has designed and executed first-in-human proof-of-concept and mechanistic studies with novel compounds intended for the treatment of dyslipidemia, diabetes, and related metabolic disease. Thank you very much, Dan, for joining us today, especially since you're busy at this meeting. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm very excited about the compound that you described in your abstract, a novel way of lowering triglycerides. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what prompted you to do this study, the study design, and a little bit about the metabolic pathway sure, of DGA. Yeah. You know, there, there are a number of triglyceride-lowering agents out there. Uh, they're all focusing on either triglyceride synthesis in the liver, VLDL triglyceride, or clearance of the triglyceride through lipoprotein lipase. And uh, there really isn't anything out there focused on the chylomicron triglyceride pathway. And as you know, most people are in a postprandial state throughout the day with multiple meals. And so in reality, a big burden of your overall triglyceride flux through the day is through that chylomicron triglyceride pathway. So we had been interested in thinking about that pathway as a way to additionally control uh, triglycerides and specifically uh, some untreated diseases, chylomicronemia, which is very rare. But those individuals, especially with the familial form, just have no treatment options. These other traditional triglyceride-lowering pathways don't really work. So that's primarily why we, we wanted to focus on the chylomicron triglyceride pathway. And uh, DGAT1, in particular, has emerged in the, in the past 5 to 10 years as being a critical enzyme that mediates the triglyceride flux through the chylomicron pathway. Uh, the knockout mouse uh, data was published probably about a decade ago, showing that those mice, um, if you give them an oral fat load, don't have this typical postprandial hypertriglyceridemia. And that, that's probably driven by a reduction in chylomicron triglyceride secretion. And so uh, that and a couple other reasons, there were other, some, some other interesting metabolic aspects of that knockout model. Uh, we at Novartis decided to develop a drug uh, for that target and uh, primarily uh, to uh, start with the postprandial hypertriglyceridemia as our target uh, indication and then, uh, and then also explore what other metabolic benefit this type of a drug might give. You know, it's very interesting going back into the 80s when we were uh, getting excited about plaque regression in studies, which turned out not to be as important as so-called plaque stabilization. But in uh, some of the early trials, like the CLASS trial, which was a study giving aggressive lipid management versus usual care, and then doing follow-up angiograms, they noticed that even in the treatment group that got very aggressive medical management, Mm -hmm. there still were several recurrent events. So the investigators went back and tried to determine, was there any predictor of people on drug therapy who had greater events than people who were on drug therapy and who didn't have events? And it turned out that uh, the amount of fat in their diet was the biggest single predictor of 
recurrent events on aggressive drug therapy. In fact, those who had less than 23% fat had better outcomes. Mm -hmm. Again, it ties into what you're working on, which is the packaging of dietary fats and cholesterol into chylomicrons. And uh, people kind of ignore the fact that you bathe your bloodstream in these dangerous fats after you eat a fatty meal. That's exactly right. And and the, the whole association or potential association of triglycerides with cardiovascular or cardiometabolic risk is, is really a, a hard thing to sort your sort your uh, your way through. Um, you know the data is uh, there's been a couple trials that specifically have tried to address that with lowering uh, triglycerides using fibrates uh, or other methods, and the results have been pretty mixed. But none of those agents in particular have targeted or do target the chylomicron pathway. They target other ways of lowering triglyceride. And there's fairly good data that's emerging to suggest it's really that postprandial phase and possibly the, the accumulation of the postprandial remnants that, that may be driving the cardiometabolic complications of the postprandial phase. So we're excited that, uh, um, uh, and think that, that specifically targeting postprandial tr- uh, triglycerides might be a, uh, a better way of, of getting at the triglyceride risk. Yeah, it's interesting that patients who clear their chylomicrons quickly seem to be at a lower risk, and those yes. who have delayed clearance have a higher atherosclerosis risk. So it all fits in with what you've been talking yeah. about. So with that said, I want to hear about this uh, sure. award-winning yeah. study that you presented here. Yeah, uh, We've got a lot of, you know, pretty vocal critics about studies, so it's yeah. an honor that you got chosen as, yes. a, as an award. Can you tell us about your study design, what you were looking at, and then we'll talk about the implications yeah, for patients. Sure, absolutely. So this, this, uh, this study actually included both preclinical work as well as some clinical studies that we conducted in healthy volunteers. And it describes work that has occurred really over the last several years. The first part of the research uh, involved um, testing the compound uh, Prodigastat is, is the name of the drug. Um, testing that in animal models to confirm that we could suppress postprandial triglycerides. So we conducted studies in rats, monkeys, and dogs that were fasted overnight, then given the drug or the corresponding vehicle about 30 minutes before an oral fat load. Uh, the oral fat load in the vehicle uh, condition gave this nice uh, postprandial excursion of triglycerides over the course of you know four to five hours. In the presence of prodigastat at higher dose levels, we could essentially flatline that uh, postprandial triglyceride response, just like you see with the DGAT1 knockout mouse. Then we did a series of experiments to try and better understand really what the mechanism of that suppression of postprandial triglycerides is, and so. In rats, we did two things. One is we directly uh, collected chylomicron triglyceride by cannulating the thoracic duct. And uh, that's, that's essentially the lymph that is draining from the, the gut after a meal. And in that study, we showed that the rate of chylomicron triglyceride secretion was decreased by about 70% uh, in the presence of uh, prodigastat. And um, in the... The re- so, the, and that's important for two reasons. One is that it doesn't say that this is shutting off chylomicron pathway completely. It's just slowing it down. And, and our feeling is that it's slowing it down uh, to such a rate that it never saturates lipoprotein lipase and therefore doesn't result in a postprandial accumulation. So, so we did those series of experiments in, in, uh, in 
animals to, to verify that this compound was uh, effective. Uh, and then we advanced this and, and did a number of human uh, studies. Uh, specifically, two in, in this uh, poster, we described two uh, studies in healthy volunteers. These were randomized uh, placebo-controlled uh, trials. And we, we really did the similar thing where we gave these uh, volunteers a high-fat meal. It was about 1,000 calories with 60 grams of fat uh, in before treatment and then after treatment. We gave treatment for 14 days consecutively once a day. And we found the same thing, that after treatment, prodigastat could completely or nearly completely flatline the postprandial triglycerides, about a 90% reduction. Um, and then we also, in those humans, measured... Um, ApoB48, which is a, you know, a, a great surrogate for chylomicron number, and also showed that in that postprandial phase there was a substantial reduction or near elimination of postprandial chylomicrons. So that's the, uh, th- those are the primary findings of the study. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Dan Myers regarding his study on postprandial dyslipidemia. So obviously uh, this is very exciting. I think for our audience uh, it's important to know that uh, in the gut we absorb cholesterol and triglycerides and then uh, through the DGAT1 pathway those are packaged into chylomicrons and I'm sure you all recall that that's the way dietary fat gets into the bloodstream. And We've already addressed the fact that uh, if you have chylomicrons surviving in the bloodstream for a long period of time, either because of uh, resistance to breakdown of the chylomicrons or too high a fat diet, uh, you can have a much higher risk of atherosclerosis. And as you say, we, other than uh, changing people's diets, we really haven't had much effective way of dealing with this in the past. So this was fantastic work, and it's a novel mechanism for drug therapy. What do you think the implications are going to be for the future from yeah. your study? I see two, uh, and, and we talked a little bit about atherosclerosis, but we're also very interested in the chylomicronemia syndrome. This is something that, that doesn't get a lot of playtime, but uh, essentially it's these people that have incredibly... Uh, decreased levels of, of clearance of triglycerides, lipoprotein lipase deficiency, and they can eat uh, even a modestly fatty meal and the chylomicrons will stay around for days or weeks. And as they eat meal after meal, that these chylomicron levels climb to the point of severe hypertriglyceridemia, five, 6,000 milligrams per deciliter, that puts them at really high risk of acute and life-threatening pancreatitis. We think that this is uh, uh, going to be a potential drug therapy for that condition. Um, and there's been no other drug therapy that has worked in that uh, the familial form of chylomicronemia. We've, in fact, presented last year at the NLA some proof-of-concept data in patients with homozygous LPL deficiency showing, indeed, this compound does lower their fasting triglyceride levels. And, and Novartis now is in the process of uh, actually underway with a Phase three program uh, for that orphan indication. So that's, that's the immediate and, and I think the most exciting uh, aspect of this is that this compound uh, you know, might m- have a chance to really impact the lives of these patients that really hadn't had any treatments before. Now, as far as the other implications, like we talked about, um, the hypothesis that postprandial triglycerides is associated with cardiovascular disease or, or other metabolic disease such as NAFLD, you know, that, that's still very debatable and, and at this point probably preliminary to talk about. But this, this is something we're interested in, in studying. Like I said before, there has never been a specific drug that has 
so profoundly blocked the postprandial uh, pathway that, th that this is an exciting set of diseases to investigate. Uh, but still, I think too preliminary to really feel confident that it's going to, to lead to anything. Yeah, uh, do you have plans for doing, uh, assuming your drug gets approved on the marketplace, for doing a clinical outcomes trial? Uh, we, do, we do. I mean, it, it, I should say we, we, we need to take a couple steps before we would commit to that, but right. we, we see that sort of a trajectory. Uh, we would like to see, uh, and we f feel confident that, that, uh, that we can pursue that chylomicronemia pathway. We'll get more experience with not only safety but efficacy. And if, if in some of our phase two type studies uh, build our confidence and also the, certainly the confidence of the health authorities, we would like to be able to test the hypothesis that we could you know, intervene in uh, cardiovascular risk. And how about the safety data? Uh, how about how many patients, human patients, have been in clinical trials, and yeah. what's your, uh, so far, your experience regarding yeah. safety of this kind We've, of There's been approximately, actually, more than 1,500 patients or subjects, and, and about a half of those are healthy volunteers. We've done a study in type 2 diabetes. We've done the studies in chylomicronemia, but all told, we're looking at better than 1,500 individuals exposed for durations of up to 12 weeks. The drug is uh, safe. There doesn't, there, there are no, uh, trends to uh, safety findings such as laboratory abnormalities, LFT problems. There is a dose-dependent occurrence of gastrointestinal adverse events, most common of which is diarrhea, and that's generally mild, uh, limited, and it's, uh, it's actually secretory diarrhea. It's not a, it's not a steatorrhea or a fatty malabsorption. Um, uh, so that uh, also, which is another reason that this chylomicronemia indication is quite interesting, is that they are generally on a low-fat diet. And we found that the lower the dietary intake, the less of these uh, GI adverse events are occurring. Yeah, it's very interesting. In my lipid clinic, I've got several chylomicronemics, and they're on a combination of fibrates, fish oil, niacin, everything yeah. you can throw at them in a statin, yeah. and they still have really high triglycerides. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to further information on this drug, and yeah. uh, hopefully it'll be something that'll be real helpful for yeah. our patients. Yeah, and we're, we're hopeful also with all those drugs that you mentioned, the mechanism of action of this DGAT1 inhibitor should be complementary because, like I said, it's, it's going after a different pathway of, of triglycerides. Well, Dr. Myers, I can't thank you enough for being with us today and describing this exciting compound as well as your award-winning research presentation here at the National Lipid Association. Unfortunately, we run out of time, but thanks a lot for taking time away from the meeting to, to be on ReachMD. Thank you so much. And I'm Dr. Alan Brown. You've been listening to Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com lipids, featuring podcasts of this and other series. And thank you all very much for listening.